The book of Acts again this evening, Acts chapter number 8, Acts chapter number 8. And I want to bring a very uh, practical message this evening, just reminding us uh, of some uh, important truths as uh, individuals, but also as the church. And uh, thus far as we've gotten into our series on uh, because he lives, I've certainly enjoyed uh, the emphasis on the resurrection and uh, studying out all the aspects of how it affects us, uh, certainly by our salvation and it provides us salvation, uh, but because of salvation, the victories that are ours, the things that we can look forward to, uh, but also uh, the reminder of our responsibility. I didn't have to do anything to get saved, neither did you, but put our faith in Christ. I couldn't work my way there. You couldn't work your way there. You could never be good enough. You could take all your good works and put them on one side, and it wouldn't come close to even and out in the sight of God. We didn't have to do anything but believe on Christ to be saved. I'm thankful for that. I, I, I rejoice in that. But because I'm saved, there is a work, a responsibility that I have, that all of us have. Uh, we ought to be living to glorify Christ because we're saved. Uh, we ought to be uh, living in a way that uh, others can know the gospel and being uh, certainly as part of his church fulfilling that commission. Acts chapter 8 is a story I love, uh, one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, I have preached from it many, many times, uh, and I'm going to preach from it again this evening. But again, uh, the Lord gives you a different outline from the same passage, so I want to uh, help us this evening. Starting with verse number 26 of Acts chapter number 8, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter. Now, let me remind you what we've already talked about this morning and in previous weeks. Of course, Christ has been resurrected and uh, Christ has ascended into heaven. Acts chapter number one, uh, we're reminded as he ascends into heaven, the words he leaves behind for those, those disciples, for his church. Now, those men are going to go preach the gospel. I remind you that it was a church they got in that upper room in Acts chapter 1 and prayed for the power of God so the gospel might go forth. We saw this morning in Acts chapter number 2, the day of Pentecost, and 3,000, the miracle that was done, and 3,000 souls were added to the church. And we looked at how it affected, Christ's resurrection affected the church and, and the additions and the uh, involvement and the investment and the daily attention to it, all those things. So these men go forth and they are as the scripture describes, turning the world upside down for the cause of Christ. We come to Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. This is a reminder for you and I that a lost man cannot understand this book. Uh, the Spirit of God convicts us enough to know that we need salvation. Um, I, I point that out because he says, how can I except some man should guide me? Philip could guide him, and he did. Verse 32, the place of the scripture which he read was this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shears, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare that his generation for his life is taken from the earth? 
And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water, what doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities till he came to Caesarea. Now, tonight I want to preach from this passage, and I've just given a simple title of this, God Sent Philip for One. God Sent Philip for One. We live in a day, and I love to read about the revivals of old. And how this country was literally shaken uh, in revival. And, and uh, saloons and bars shut down. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Uh, what, what took place in the great awakenings and the move of God? We need a revival in our land. I'm afraid that as, as God's people, we, in our sincere desire for God to make a move, we remove ourselves from our obligation. The, book, the, the Bible is very clear that in order for God to move, we must do certain things. We must confess our sins. We must turn from our wicked ways. To do that, we must humble ourselves. There's a lot of people praying for power have, have yet to do that in their own life. What is we want God to move without us doing our responsibility? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing to see just widespread people being saved? We know that that could happen if we all just decided that we're going to win one and then win another and then win another. God cared enough about this individual that he sent Philip to win one. And I hope you and I will be reminded of that's important. The one is important if it's you, is it not? Aren't you thankful that God sent somebody to you to share the gospel with you? So let's look at some truths tonight. Father, help us as we... Uh, look in this passage of Scripture. May uh, your word be real to us. May the Spirit of God teach us what is done this evening. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We see right out of the gate as we look at this passage of Scripture, we know and Philip was about doing what he had been instructed to do, him and the other uh, disciples. In verse 26, we've already seen the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. He sent him to a desert place. I, I don't know what Philip's reaction must have been, but Philip was where the people were. Philip was seeing uh, great works for God being done. And if there's something uh, that thrills the heart of a preacher is when you preach the gospel and you see a great effect, you see a lot of people being saved. As a soul winner, you go out and we do it because it's supposed to do it. We give a witness because we're supposed to do it. But it's a whole lot more fun when a lot of people are getting saved. Philip is where the people were. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, I want you to leave where you are and go to the desert place. South of, down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. I don't know if Philip... Scratched his head a little bit. I don't know if Philip immediately dropped what he was doing and went that way, but the bottom line is we know Philip obeyed what God had instructed him. 
I'm reminded as we see this story play out that God cared enough about this Ethiopian eunuch who was searching for the truth, who was searching for Jesus. He didn't know his name, but he was searching for him. He knew there was something more that he needed. And God cared enough about this individual that he would take a choice servant like Philip and remove him from the crowds and send him to the desert place so that one man might have the opportunity to be saved. Boy, I'm reminded of how much God cares about man today that he would remove somebody from the busyness of ministry so that one individual might be saved. I might say to all of us, all of us who are uh, ministry-minded, and we have many in our, in our church and throughout our ministry who I won't have a desire to serve the Lord with their life. God would interrupt your ministry plans so that one person might be saved. God would interrupt what we have planned so that one person who is searching, who is looking for the answer, they know that there's an answer out there. He, God cares enough that he would send Philip out of the way for one. You and I must be reminded that God would send us out of the way for one as well. Boy, and I'm reminded, and this is a great truth that all of us need to be reminded of. And uh, we find in verse 25, if you look, go back a verse to verse 25, and they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem. Philip's part of this they, who preached the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Well, what was Philip busy doing? He was busy preaching the gospel. After we find this encounter with this Ethiopian man in verse number 40, but Philip was found at Azotus, and passing through, he preached in all the cities. He went right back to doing what he was doing before the angel of the Lord told him to go out to this desert place. This was a way of life for him. The application is simple. For you and I, this ought to be a way of life for us. Always be willing to share Christ with someone else. Always be willing to be, be ready to give the gospel. Always be willing for God to interrupt what we're doing and send us somewhere else to, so that somebody might hear the gospel. Many of you, you may have had plans that we have. Uh, I, I think of, I was thinking this afternoon of the Bible college graduation that we have next Sunday night and how many sit on our pews who are Bible college graduates, but God didn't put you in full-time ministry per se. That's a different plan than you had. And you, you give counsel to some of these, these, these seniors and they're going to go and they, and they feel the desire to uh, go into the ministry or prepare for the ministry and they go get their, they want to prepare for their Bible college degree and you ask them, what are you taking, what, what degree? And they say, I, I'm going to take this, I'm, I'm going to become uh, elementary education. That's what I want to do. And I'm thinking to myself, you'll never teach elementary. Or they say, secondary education. That's what I want to do. You say, oh, that's not going to be for you. you. say, why do you say that? Because we all have plans that God interrupts. God, we, we have uh, plans that God, things that God wants us to do that we did, had no, no idea that he wanted us to do. What am I saying? God wants you to, I'm not trying to discourage you. If, you. if you went to elementary, you got an elementary education degree and you're teaching elementary, that doesn't mean you're out of the will of God. That was one, that was one uh, il illustration there. Uh, if you're a science teacher, you're out of the will of God because God's just not in science. But that's just, that's just another, that's a whole other subject right there. This was a way of life for Philip. He was sensitive to the Spirit of God. You know, I, I want to be very, very careful. And if you'll allow me to use myself as an illustration and let it speak to you, I want to be very, very careful 
that my desires for the Lord don't get in the way of His desires for me. My ambition for God does not get in the way of His plan for my life. Say, well, well, I don't understand why sometimes God just doesn't allow certain things to take place or, because God might have somebody in a desert place and he cares enough about that individual. Uh, you may have had aspirations, get back to the illustrations, to do something else. You thought God was going to, but now you say, Pastor, all I do is I teach a little Sunday school class. Well, that little Sunday school class is very important because there's an individual in there that Christ died for. There's a life there that God's going to touch. This was a way of life for Philip. It should be a way of life for us. As I think of these things, I'm going to give us four, and I'm not going to keep it long tonight because we have some things to take care of at the end of the service. I want to give you just four quick applications as I look at the fact that God sent Philip for one. I see, first of all, we see this in verse number 29. Philip had to approach the man. It's going to be very simple and practical. God sent him to a desert place. God didn't tell him why. He was going to this desert place. And when he got there, we find there was an Ethiopian man there. He was sitting in his chariot reading Isaiah, the prophet. Then in verse 29, then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to the chariot. Philip had to approach the man. He had to go near. Well, you and I need to be reminded that it is about the other individual. Philip, to be in the will of God, he had to go near and talk to the man. He had to, may we be reminded that we believe, you know, not only do we believe in the resurrection, not only do we believe in what Christ did to mandate his church, but let me tell you, we're the church. We say that, you know, we, doesn't matter where, where, what the government says, we're the church. We'll have church out in the field, and that may be true. But the church is supposed to go near. The church is supposed to go talk to people. The church is supposed to go witness to people. The church is supposed to go into this world and find those who are looking for the truth. He had to approach the men. Now, I understand that not everybody has the boldness of a Philip. Um, but there's an op on your way out. Grab you a stack of the tracks and invite cards out there and leave them everywhere you go. Uh, be willing to invite somebody to church. Do you not realize there are people who have questions? And God may say, I just, I just happened to bump into them. No, God might have sent you to a desert place. But you must be willing to go near. I see number two, the man needed a guide. Verse number 30, and Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? Now, he desired Philip to show him, to guide him. I wonder how many are out there like this Ethiopian man who have a desire for some man just to guide me. This man obviously was ready to trust Christ. He was ready to be saved. But he just needed a man to guide him. I'm reminded in this as a preacher of the gospel, I can't save any man, but I can be a God. You can't save anybody, but you can be a God. One of the great, seas, the great secrets to being a personal soul, one of the great secret to seeing people saved is when somebody doesn't want it, you move right on to the person who does. And quite frankly, when I, when, I, when I go out in my daily business and I go make my visits and, and, I go and I'm a witness to people, I'm not looking for anybody who wants to argue with me. 
I don't have time to argue with anybody. So, Pastor, when's the last time you argued with somebody? Well, besides my wife, I can't think of anybody. No, just kidding. Uh, I don't argue. She wins every time. Uh, I don't, I'm not looking for somebody to argue with. I'm looking for somebody to say, will somebody guide me? Will somebody show me how I can be saved? There's somebody out there that you're going to come in contact with, but we've got to be busy in the Lord's work. We've got to be sensitive to the Spirit of God. And he needed some man to guide him. What a wonderful opportunity to go through this life, as I like to refer to it as a gospel guide. What do you do? I'm a gospel guide. I want to, I want to find somebody. As this man was in the book of Isaiah, he needed somebody to guide him, to show him. Uh, what was necessary, what needed to be done. Uh, don't be uh, hesitant when you come in contact. We have visitors come to church. Don't just assume everybody knows what I'm talking about. Now, you can interpret that however you want to interpret Pastor, I'm not sure you know what you're talking about, much less these visitors. But you've got to remember, there's a lot of people nowadays, they've never been in church before. They've never heard what you've been hearing for a long, long time. Uh, sometimes they need somebody to guide them. Don't make the assumptions. Don't assume. Be willing to be that gospel guide. Then number three, and this is where uh, I want to make a great emphasis in verse number uh, 32, begin with verse 32. I'll go ahead and give you number three. He preached unto him Jesus. Verse 32, the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before a shearer, so opened he not his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? He's reading in Isaiah what I just read. He says, is he talking about himself? Or is he talking about somebody else? Well, that had to be a glorious day. For Philip. I mean, you talking about, as the old saying says, teeing that ball up high so, uh, so that it was an easy swing to knock that one out of the park. Is he talking about himself or can you tell me who he's talking about? The scripture says he preached unto him Jesus in verse number 35. There's a lot of confusion in this world. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of ideas in this world. But I tell you, the thing that will make the difference is just preaching Jesus. And man, 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 man can't save anybody. Man's not the answer. Man's not the hope. We know this. But this world is constantly told that it's a church, that it's the Pope, that it's a holy man, that it's a way of life, or, or there is no God. But what we you and I need to do is just be willing to preach unto them Jesus. That's what makes the difference. Is he talking about himself? Is he talking about somebody else? Well, he's talking about Jesus. He preached unto him Jesus. You and I need to be quick to preach Jesus. The Emmanuel Baptist Church, I think, is the greatest church in the world. I love the Emmanuel Baptist Church. But let me tell you what makes a difference in a life. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. You know why this church is such a great church? Because we, number one, we're all, we've all trusted Jesus. Number two... Uh, we want to serve Jesus. We want to please Jesus. Boy, as long as that's the focus, you know what the church is going to do? We're going to continue to move forward. God's going to continue to bless. We're going to continue to be able to make a difference as long as Christ is our message. God did not put me on this earth to win a political argument. He put me here to preach Jesus. 
God didn't even, he put me here as the pastor of the Emmanuel Baptist Church to shepherd you and to lead you according to this book, but he did not put me here to navigate your drama. It has nothing to do with the message. I just wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> the point I'm making is he put me here to preach Jesus. Now, I don't want you to interpret that as I'm not interested in helping you in any way that I can help you. But the message is Jesus. Uh, I, I didn't, God did not put me in Jacksonville, Florida to, to win the, the, the mayor's race, to win a, a county commissioner race. He didn't put me in Jacksonville, Florida uh, to be the most popular man. He put me in Jacksonville, Florida to preach Jesus. Boy, what a, what, what a message. Can you think of a better message than Jesus? I can't think of a better message than Jesus. I, I, I think, and you can, be, you can, you can, you can uh, use this passage and say, if, if, you know, if he had lived in today's world and he's born of this interpreter, instead of preaching him Jesus, he would have, there's so many things that he would have tried to offer. Uh, membership, prestige, um, well, what, let's fix all of your problems first. No, he just needed to hear Jesus. He needed that guide. Then we find in, in verse number 39, I told you I was going to be quick tonight, but it's a long conclusion, so don't get too excited. We, he preached unto him Jesus, and in verse 36, and they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. The fourth thing that application I'll make and point I'll make tonight is, you know, God did send Philip for one individual. God interrupted what Philip was doing, sent him to a desert place, because there was a man looking for Jesus who needed a God. He sent him there. He preached unto him Jesus. And the fourth little application I'll make tonight is he left behind a convert. We use that in our church, and we go out witnessing and, you know, fill out the convert card. We mean somebody that's trusted Christ, somebody who's converted, and put it in scriptural terms as somebody who became a convert of Christ. And, and they are following Christ. They've received Christ. Philip left behind a convert. Well, there's a lot that happens between verse 35 and 36. I don't know how much time was there. But when he preached unto him Jesus in verse 36, he said, there's water. Can I get, what's keeping me from getting baptized? Now, again, if you don't study your Bible, you can, can take this confuse this. That has anything to do with salvation. It does not. And Philip said in verse 37, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. With that declaration, he was saying, I believe that Jesus left heaven. He lived, it was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose again three days later. I believe he is the Son of God. Because only Jesus, only the Son of God could come forth from the grave. Then he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went down, both. And he was sprinkled, and Philip, no, no. He went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. Boy, I've seen those. You have to think of that. And when we first bought this property, this platform was not here. This, 
baptistry was not here. All this, the choir loft was not here. There was a little platform and a little bitty baptismal pool down at the base of the platform because this was a Methodist church. And I got to think to myself, it's going to be hard for two people to get in that and baptize somebody. I don't know how Philip in the eunuch would have done that, but he got down in the water and he baptized him. I, I don't know if this is true, and I don't know that there's any way to prove it, but certainly the Bible would give some credence to it. I read an article not too long that there are Christians in Ethiopia that somebody attempted to trace all the way back, and where do they get the gospel? And they can't find where a missionary came over. I have an illustration for another message I'm preparing of a man I spoke to who was from Africa. I met him many, many years ago when he talked about the generations and how it was an American missionary that came over. And several generations later, that church is still there and he got saved through that church. This article I was reading, they can't find any time that a missionary came over. And it goes back generation and generation and generation, this individual. And again, I don't know if this could be proven or not. I'm just conveying what I read in that article. This man came to the conclusion that it's very possible that this was a thread of the gospel that you could trace back to this Ethiopian man. Now, I don't know if that is true or not, but I believe the Bible bears that out, that a faithful man gives the gospel and then gives the gospel then gives the gospel. I do know this man was a convert. He was a convert to the point where he said, there's some water I want to identify with Jesus Christ right now. Right now. I, I, will, I, I came here to worship, to find an answer. I didn't get what I was looking for in Jerusalem when I went to worship, and I'm out here reading the scriptures. And by the way, if we get the scriptures back in the Bible, and back, in, back in our schools, and back in society, and back in the world, there'll be a whole lot more people looking for Jesus. Mom and dad, you want your children to be saved? Keep the Bible in your home. Keep the scriptures in front of them. Make sure they're in Sunday school. Make sure they're where the Bible is preached and taught. It's the scriptures. But he was a convert, and he left there and headed home. There's a lot of criticism for, against soul-winning churches. I believe very strongly and very firmly that we ought to be working to fulfill the entire Great Commission. Win them, baptize them, teach them. I don't believe our job is done until somebody we win to Christ, they identify with Christ, they become part of God's church, they begin to grow underneath the teaching of the Scripture. That's the Great Commission. But not everybody we come in contact with do we have the, has the opportunity for them to become part of our fellowship. I can't tell you how many people I've led to Christ, they're just passing through. Well, when mine comes to several who I've led to Christ right out there in the front of the building who just happened to stop by for directions, happened to stop by for some help. Some, some directions I couldn't give them, some help I couldn't give them, but I could preach unto them Jesus. And not every person that I've ever witnessed to in that situation has got saved, but there's some who've left and they've gone to a distant state. Now, they never came and they never followed the Lord of Believer's Baptism. They never joined our church. 
But if they put their faith in Christ, they were saved. Our responsibility is to win the loss, to be a witness. He left. He went back to where he, could, back to where he came from. Philip went back to doing what God instructed him to do. But God sent Philip for one. Now, great reminders from this passage of Scripture tonight. Here, here's, here's a final reminder, a final challenge. I believe that there's somebody's path you and I are going to cross that it's not just coincidence that we cross their path. Just, I believe just as strongly as I do that God saw that man in the desert struggling, looking for the truth. He cared enough to stop Philip, have Philip go out to that place, guide that man to Christ. I believe that God allows the life of the believer to cross the path of unbelievers. And it's not coincidence. It is, as the phrase is used, a divine appointment. Where before we even get up in our day, we even plan our week, God knows in His providence that our path is going to cross the path of someone else with the intent for us to be a gospel God. Sometimes I believe it's He wants us to plant a seed. Sometimes it's to water the seed that's been planted, and sometimes it's to reap the fruit of salvation. You know, the question comes to you and I, are we mindful enough to be aware of the path of the individual that we might cross. To be a witness, to invite to church, to be the one who would say, I'll be that gospel God. See, Pastor, do you know who it is? I don't know who it is. But the question tonight for us to ponder is, are we sensitive enough to what our responsibility is to be looking for that individual? You know what I'm talking about when I describe this. You see somebody, you come in contact with somebody, and there's a little, there's a little voice that says, you need to talk to them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You, you, you need to invite them to church, or you need to witness to them. You say, oh, what is that? It's the same as when Philip got to that desert place. God didn't tell him ahead of time who he was going to talk to. And he said, go near unto that one. You realize that God knows who's under conviction right now? He knows who in this world, who in our city, who in our town, who, our, who the co-workers are, who are, under, who are looking for something different. May you and I be sensitive. May you and I be looking. You know how we get in that mode? It's hard if, you're never concerned, if we never are part of, uh, of, of giving the gospel. It's hard to snap yourself into that mode. For Philip, it was just what he did. It was a way of life. For the child of God, it should be the way of life for us. It pleases me to no end to see so many visitors and so many people who are coming, not just from us out knocking doors, but getting introduced. This is my coworker. This is my neighbor. Uh, this is, this is, this is a, a family member. We're being willing when we cross the path with somebody. And in some cases, I met this person. I know of a situation now where it's like, well, they came to my house to sell me something. But I gave them something. And it was the gospel. 
I know some in our church that every telemarketer that calls, they, they give them the gospel. Now, if you want to get on a no-call list fast, when those telephone salesmen call you, just start witnessing to them, preach unto them Jesus. Um, it's about being mindful of those, those around us. Boy, you remember when you got saved? Uh, maybe you were under conviction for a long time. But there was a gospel God that God sent along. Understandest thou what thou readest? Do you understand who that is? Is he talking about himself or are you talking about another? Oh, let me tell you who he's talking about. He preached unto him Jesus. There's value in one, especially when that one is you. Especially when that one is your loved one. Oh, I pray that we pray, we pray for lost loved ones. Pray for those, somebody, for God to send somebody by to be that gospel guy to witness. But let's be busy where we are. We can be an answer to prayer to somebody else as well. Because there are lost people in our town. Somebody's praying for them to be saved. Let's be mindful of those. Let's be quick to give the gospel. Father, I pray that you would use the message, the simple reminder.